We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast tuesday december 20th 2022 ladies and gentlemen it is victory tuesday and a happy three month old day to my son deacon westendorf he was born three months ago today and that's the most exciting thing for me a very close second though the Packers win 24 to 12 over the Los Angeles Rams. And I know Aaron Rodgers once shouted into the stands at Soldier Field that he owned that team. Well, Matt LaFleur might be able to do that to old Sean McVay now at this point as well. Sean McVay has never beaten Matt LaFleur in a game. Unfortunately, if LaFleur could figure out a way to beat Kyle Shanahan in a game of significance, the Packers would have won an NFC championship game last year by two or three touchdowns and rolled all the way through the Super Bowl. But I digress. What we do have tonight is positivity. And some of you asked for more positivity after my appearance on yesterday's show. So I got good news for you. They won and I'm full of it. I'm your host. I'm Jacob Westendorf. I am here uh, live in the Pack-A-Day Game on Wisconsin studios, joined by the OG, my original partner in crime, uh, former co-host of Pulse of the Pack, current co-host or current host of the Quick Slants podcast, which you can find over at Game on Wisconsin. And a co-host on Thursday's show with the great Mark Eckel and last week, Monty Moore, Jason Perrone. Jason, no extra gray coming in that beard tonight after today's game. That was pretty uh, pretty easy. No, it's already gray. All the gray's already there, so we're done. We're, we're done with that for sure. But yeah, this whole, I, I was going to say, Sean McVay, a friend that Matt LaFleur does enjoy beating, clearly. Yeah, and that's that's the you know the, the three, the big three of that tree are Shanahan, McVay, and, and LaFleur. And LaFleur is the only one that's beaten all of them because McVay has never beaten LaFleur, like I just mentioned. And they did beat Kyle Shanahan last year uh, in San Francisco on that crazy Rodgers to Adams drive throughout the course of the game. But Jason, 24-12, 
The Packers win. They get to six and eight. Their playoff percentage uh, percent chance to make the playoffs goes up to a fitting number, perhaps 12%. Uh, Not exactly the most aesthetically pleasing game. They weren't throwing the ball all over the lot. Uh, Aaron Jones averaged over five yards a carry. That was nice to see. You got to see Dobbs and Watson on the field together for the first time in a very long time, it felt like. It's a positive step in the right direction for both this season and for 2023, even if this is something that falls short. Here's where I'll start, and this is what I'll say. I know a couple weeks ago, I had a lot of people in my Twitter mentions talking about how, well, just put Jordan Love in. Like, the season's over. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to make a run at it, blah, 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 blah. And I always said, you can't do that. You can't bench the starting quarterback while the team has a chance, whether it's the Lloyd Christmas, so you're saying there's a chance thing, or an actual legitimate, you know, hey, they got a 50% chance of making the playoffs. They just got to win two games and, and get one guy to help. Not quite the situation the Packers are in. But you can't bench the starting quarterback, especially when that starting quarterback is a four-time league MVP and maybe the greatest quarterback in the history of your franchise. You just can't do that. And what you're doing when you do that, if you do that, is telling the rest of the locker room, all right, well, number one, he's more important than you are. You could certainly argue they've done other things to say that. And number two, like, we kind of have a shot, but we've given up on you guys. So congratulations. That allows the locker room to disseminate. What I am happy about with this team Over the last two weeks, it would be very, very easy for a team that had Super Bowl aspirations. They were four and eight going into last week's game uh, against Chicago, or yeah, four and eight going into last week's game against Chicago. I just got to five and eight and then six and eight. It would be very easy to, in the cold, down by double digits against the Bears, to give up and essentially not play the rest of the game. And there was some discussion of that on my timeline during the Bears game. I don't think that ever actually happened, but. I can understand why people think that way. And then tonight when it's frigid, 15, 15 degrees, very easy for a team to just not show up and say like, "Eh, well, if we win, we win. Cool. Like that'll be just fine, but we're not going to go over the top. I think the effort has been great the last couple of weeks, even against the Eagles. Like if you go back to that Eagles game before the bears game, when it was like, Oh, they're down 14, nothing. What? Three minutes into the game. You're like, okay, we're going to lose like 41 to seven. And this is going to be ugly. Well, instead the Packers fought back. They took the lead even on an occasion against a very good Eagles team. I I'm very happy with, and that is, that was a concern. I think something that we've kind of talked about a little bit collectively here at this podcast is maybe what's the culture like in this building? I think it's very safe to say from a coaching standpoint and with Matt LaFleur, the culture is very good. Well, on slants, that's what I talked about, too, is I want to see them fight and play hard. And is Matt LaFleur the guy that can keep this locker room together? And really, Jake, if you go back to the Dallas game when they snapped the losing streak, really the Tennessee game has been the only real clunker out of all of them. I know they didn't beat Philadelphia, but to your point, they're clearly still playing hard for each other, for Matt LaFleur. We've seen some bright spots, Christian Watson's emergence. We've seen Kayshawn Nixon grab a very firm hold of the Pay that, man. Give that, make sure that man sticks around in Green Bay. Shout out Joe Arrigo, just, friend of you know, friend of friend of Keyshawn, friend of me, friend of show. Yeah, and it and it just again not to to beat the dead horse, but you know th- he's been on this roster this whole season, and that's not who was returning kicks. I'll just say that for the first <laughs> half of the season. So, but they've they figured some things out. Maybe a little bit too late, but who knows? But I guess for as bad as it looked during that five game losing streak, here we are, uh, less than a week away from Christmas. 
And there's still, like you said, there's still a chance for the Packers to make something of this season. And we couldn't say the same thing in 2018 when they had a terrible season. Aaron Rodgers played through most of it. We all know about Mike McCarthy leaving in, in that year. This year is it it was just a weird section of the of the season. And now they've they've found their footing a little bit. And I also said too, one other point I made on slants, I know that there's big debates about whether momentum is a thing or anyone believes in it or not. And obviously from one season to the next, the team is going to change complexion. But I think there's for the young players, at least, even if they don't get in the playoffs, there is something to build on over these next three games to play hard, to fight, even if they don't win games, I think there's still something that can come out of it. And if it turns out that the Packers do make the playoffs, because I think the scenarios that they need help in are very likely. If you look at the opponents that Seattle has to play against, the Washington has Kansas to play against. Kansas City on Sunday. Like, they need yeah. Seattle to lose one more game. It certainly feels like Kansas City is that one game. And the Sunday night game broke their way because the Giants play Indianapolis down the stretch. Right. So, right. And there was some, it was a very, I'll just call it a very interesting finish in that commanders giants game, but that's, it is what it is. Yeah, it was. And it, and it's nice to see, like you said, Ross Huglum talks about it on this particular show. Cause normally it's me, Ross and Jacob Morley. Jacob Morley's taking pictures at Lambeau field. Ross Uglum has 17 kids or something like that. So he's taking care of those. It's late. It's post game. He's probably trying to find some sleep on that fact. So I got Jason here with me, but we talk about it on that show all the time where this concept of tanking, and just, well, just lose, like just lose the rest of your games, get the highest draft pick you can and blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, the last time the Packers were in a position to tank or try, I don't know if that's actually a thing, but we're calling it that now was 2018, that season you alluded to. And everybody points to that Jets game is like, oh man, if they had just lost that Jets game, they would have picked eighth instead of 12th. Well, then when you look back at that draft, the only thing that would have changed is that Rashawn Gary would have been the eighth overall pick instead of the 12th overall pick. And the people that were mad online would have been mad online that he was a top 10 pick instead of a top 15 pick. Turns out he would have been worth either one of those picks for that particular season. I just, Ross always says losing begats more losing. And as somebody who is, has been part of at a much, 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 much smaller level, but just from a coaching standpoint, my dad used to always say this to me, like the culture of your team matters and your goal is always to win. And, you know, I remember I was at, I was at that lions game in 2018 where the Packers end up losing 31, nothing. But like before the game, I heard the coaches just talking about like, Hey, we signed up for 16. We're going to get 16. Like these are professionals. They put film on these games matter to these players because it's a difference of, getting a contract, keeping a contract for next season, like hitting an incentive, hitting an incentive uh, with, in the case of like Watson and Romeo Dobbs, getting more reps with Aaron Rodgers, which is something that like, I know I've talked about like my stance on that being that I hope they just rip the bandaid off and go full rebuild, but I don't think they're going to do that. So with that in mind, you're hoping for the best for 2023. Well, those guys playing together and getting more chemistry and everything with each other is something that could certainly benefit this team like realistically the Packers have looked like a much better football team since Christian Watson's emergence against Dallas and they've won more games than they've lost in that time frame as well which is also something that helps you can see a path I think and this is where I want to talk about bright spots you can see a path on offense where they go into next season Watson and Dobbs and you started to see it tonight they complement each other so well Aaron Rodgers calls Dobbs a crisp route runner. Matt LaFleur basically says the same thing. 
Watson obviously is a physical freakazoid athlete. And I think he's a chess piece that they can move. He could play outside and be their bomber. He can play inside, be that big slot, use that speed to his advantage. If you look at like that second touchdown he had against the Cowboys, that deep over route, I think that's something the Packers could run a million of those. Find a receiver, whether it's a veteran or a second round pick or something like that, that can be an actual make a play after the ball is in his hands kind of guy, a yak player for, you know, Brandon Ayuk type of player. Donald Driver type of player. Um, and I'm not saying those get Donald Driver's Packers Hall of Famer. I'm not saying it's got to be that, but something similar to that and add a tight end that can actually make a couple plays with the ball in his hands with those two backs that I think are probably back if Aaron Rodgers is back, get this offensive line together and have some injury luck regression on that particular unit. There's a path to where this offense can be very good because you figure another, this, you know, I kind of liken and this didn't hit me until earlier this week, but I kind of liken this season's offense to when LaFleur first got here because there are some holdovers, Rodgers, Dylan, Lazard, and Cobb, like guys like that. But the dynamic players on this team, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, we're all kind of learning together. And it's kind of like that first season when LaFleur came in and sometimes it looked clunky and they were fortunate they had the best receiver in football with Devontae Adams that year who they could you know drop a play. We need a play. We get the ball to Devontae. And when it came to the red zone, Aaron Jones was just a touchdown scoring machine that year. Not as much this year, whether lack of opportunity, lack of, you know, lack of play, you know, whatever you want to call it for why Jones hasn't had the touchdown uh, luck that he's had in, in previous years that, you know, I don't know the reason for that, but it's not like it was in 2019 and then 2020 hit. And it was, everybody was like, well, the Packers, it's just the same guys. Like it's all the same guys. They didn't add a receiver of significance. They didn't add a tight end of significance. Their only offensive player that they really added was AJ Dillon as a second round pick. And they nuked the entire league because they had that continuity. Everybody knew what to do, where to be, when to do things. Like you saw late in the game, Rogers kind of joked about it in his post game. And some people are going to take that as malicious, but I think you guys need to get over that. If that's what you think, but he kind of joked after the game, they said, you know, how much did you want Watson in the end zone or something like that? And he said, if you want to score touchdowns, you'll run the right routes. And it was clear that, you know, we have hand signal discourse, throughout the course of this week because of a, an article that has been written. It was pretty clear that Rodgers wanted Watson to do something and Watson didn't get it. And if Watson did get it, he probably scores. And now we're talking about another 30 point performance from this Packers offense instead finals 24 to 12. But I think you get, like I said, add some pieces on offense, change the coordinator and the coaching staff on defense. Cause they're going to have to do something. And when they don't, if, and when they don't make the playoffs and see like, that's the path to optimism. For 2023, put that training camp together with this entire group. Rogers has some health, doesn't have a broken thumb, doesn't have rib issues. The offensive line's not going to be missing, hopefully. Jenkins and Bakhtiari to start the season, all that good stuff. Did you see that kind of stuff tonight to seeing like that path forward to where this offense can be in the top 10, top half of the league? Like what we're used to seeing for them being in 2023. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, a lot of lot to be encouraged about the receivers, and I think this is going to catapult Rogers to want to come back. Obviously, I mean, I've I've said he's going to be back next year all along, but this has to excite him, even though he's he's getting older. But it just there's the, the there's a path to the offense, and him finally saying, "Hey, I don't have to chuck it up there 35, 40 times. We can really." do this the right way. I mean, 35 touches for Dylan and Aaron Jones. It just, it seems so obvious that that formula should work. And then you add a tight end, which I'm assuming they have to, right? Cause Robert Tunyon just isn't, isn't dynamic with the ball anymore. They don't have anybody else really at the position, but I think offensively they've got already enough pieces going into next season that they can hit the, like you said, hit the ground running is the perfect phrase. Yeah. They already, they already look great. That's what I think can carry over whether they get to the playoffs or not this season they can really carry that over offensively. I think the bigger question marks are more going to be on the defensive side of the ball with some of the changes and stuff that's going on. But offensively, I mean, the line looks good. Zach Tom ha- has looked pretty good. I mean, I know it's it's not against necessarily the premier players out there, but listen, they're all NFL defensive linemen, pass rushers, and he's held up well. This draft class looks like it's going to be pretty productive. Kingsley Enig Barre was good on defense, but offensively, yeah, I think I think that's the the side of the ball that I'm not concerned about going through the rest of this season and then very encouraged about for next year, most definitely. Yeah, and that's on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball tonight was now granted there is an obvious qualifier in here, right? The the Rams are playing with a skeleton unit. They talked at the beginning of the game how they've used 14 different offensive linemen. For those of you that are mathematicians, that's one guy under three full units on the offensive line. If you start five guys, which every NFL team does, that's tough. Matthew Stafford's not playing. Baker Mayfield's been there for 10 minutes. He's throwing the ball to Van Jefferson. He's throwing the ball to Ben Skoranek. Tutu Atwell. Cam Akers is run. Like they just, they really are a shell of themselves. Like if you look at the team that started in the Super Bowl last year, number one, their offensive line was pretty damn solid last year. Mm -hmm. And then you add in Cooper cup, who was the most productive receiver in the NFL last year, Odell Beckham, who was very uh, objectively a very good piece for them last year. And then you just kind of push everybody down a notch where Van Jefferson is like your wide receiver three. Well, now he's got to be wide receiver one. It's tough when you got to kind of, and we've seen what happens kind of in green Bay when you elevate those guys into roles that either one, they don't belong in or two, they're not ready to be. in. I'm not quite sure which one Jefferson fits into in that case, but That being said, you can only play the guys in front of you, and it has been a while since we've seen this Green Bay defense really put their stamp on a game. And I give them them credit. Like I said, you can have the qualifier, and they have a much tougher test coming up next week. They have a Packers boogeyman. 
that they have to play against with Raheem Mostert next week, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. Like Miami's got some dudes. But tonight, Baker Mayfield, 12 for 21, 111 yards, a touchdown, which was absolutely ridiculous, and an interception, which forced by Kenny Clark, who for the first time in a while, I think looked like Kenny Clark. Quay Walker had some rough moments throughout the course of the game, but I thought was very good tonight. He had a sack. Uh, he had five tackles, a couple quarterback hits. Like he was all over the place tonight. Preston Smith looked like odd year number Preston Smith, which is a good thing for this team. Amos made a couple splash plays, especially one on the jet sweep. That was really nice to see. The Packers had five sacks as a whole. And this is something where I talked about it yesterday with Alex Strofe, where he said, what do you want to see on defense? And I was like, it's the, it's the pass rush. Because number one, this offensive line, you should be able to generate a pass rush. I, I know the Packers front in general has kind of underwhelmed this season, especially since Rashawn Gary's gone out. But I thought they've done, I thought they did really well tonight. Every edge rusher uh, of significance, so the top three guys all had at least half a sack tonight. Preston had two, Hollins had half a sack. I think Barre had a sack. Kenny Clark was in the backfield. He looked like Kenny Clark. Devontae Wyatt had a half a sack tonight as well. So, it's nice to see that. And it's something that they have to build. Cause I really do. I think the, one of the big problem areas, question areas, when you start looking at this 2023 roster, especially on defense, there's going to be a lot of discussion about safeties because they don't really have any, <laughs> I should not even really, they, they don't have any uh, going into next year. Amos's contract is expiring. They Darnell Savage didn't play much if at all tonight. So there's not much to say there for him. I don't know if they've given up on him. He's probably going to be here next year by virtue of his contract, if nothing else. But that front and the defensive line leaves a lot to be desired right now in the edge room, frankly. I think, you know, with Gary being injured in November, I don't know when he's going to be back. Preston Smith might be here. He might not be. Uh, I would imagine he would be. I think that's a guy they've kind of gone out of their way to keep over the last couple of years. So I would imagine they try to do that again. Anikbari, I think, is a rotational player. They just need another guy or two in that room as well and kind of build up that pass rush and that, and that front seven, really, uh, with that unit. But it was nice to see them get after an inferior offensive line and an inferior quarterback. And you guys can see the, the benefits to that. I'm not telling you this isn't groundbreaking analysis, but when you can pressure the quarterback, especially there's a lot of guys in this league, and there aren't many that that don't have this problem. When you pressure them, they throw the ball up. And when they throw the ball up, you got a chance for one of your guys to catch it. The Packers only had one interception tonight and they easily could have had four. Like I could think of Walker just missing one, Alexander just missing one, like uh, Enigbare just missing one. They had an opportunity there and it was nice to see them put a stamp on an inferior opponent. Cause you guys have seen even this year playing some teams, you're like, man, that offense stinks. And they still scored 27 points on us. And like it, it was just weird throughout the course of the game. So it was nice to see them put that together. Yeah. Yeah. The defense I thought played well. Devonte Wyatt needs to play more snaps. I keep saying that over and over to him when he's in there, he's productive. And so I don't know if it's this, well, we want to keep him fresh thing, but I think just give him more opportunities to make plays. Kenny Clark. Yes. Did finally look good. And Igbare is flashing before our eyes here. I mean, I, I he's going to be an interesting one where, where I wonder if the team feels secure enough. I mean, obviously with Rashawn Gary being hurt and we don't know when he's going to start uh, next season or be ready. Do they, do they still go out and do they use a really high pick on an edge rusher? Do they feel like if we bring Preston back, we got Kingsley there 
until Rashawn comes back. That's a pretty decent rotation to where they they hold off and they address some other positions. You mentioned safety, which is definitely going to be a neat area. Yeah, Quay, I think if he catches that ball, he's got a chance to take it to the house with his speed. I think there was a chance he might have might have housed it. And then unfortunately, the Rams were able to put three on the board after that play happened. So there was a, a point swing there a little bit. But they they played fast. They played well. Jair's Jair, uh, congrats to him on making the Pro Bowl, whatever the Pro Bowl is worth in, in this day and age in the NFL. It really doesn't mean much as a game. But I know there's incentives and things like that that are that matter to the players. So I guess when you when you talk about it too and and in the middle to Devondre Campbell, you know, he, he looked okay. It doesn't sound as daunting as it, as it is. I just, the, the interesting thing is, is going to be the changes that they make in the off season because they've got players. And I know we talk about talent and, and the eye roll. When you hear the word talent, uh, you know, there's been a bunch of cliches about what talent really means, uh, but they're not necessarily reaching it. So maybe with somebody else running the defense, for example, they get more out of some of the guys that they have. And again, it's not this huge overhaul like Jake, when you said like, you know, the full rebuild mode, I just don't know that this roster really needs it. I know that they have to make some tweaks and there's some big changes made, but are we even, do we even need to say that? Yeah, I think, I still think we do. I don't want to overreact to to one game. I still think there are some, some talent deficiencies on this roster. Um, and I just kind of mentioned some of them, especially with the defensive front and the safety tandem next year. I mean, the, the prevailing thought right now based on, and this is just my Twitter timeline, is Rasul Douglas and Rudy Ford as your starting safeties next year. Well, Rudy Ford's just a special team. Well, he's been just a special teamer before this year. He's had a couple nice moments, but I don't think that's a guy you want as your starter. And Rasul Douglas has never played safety before. So I don't know. I mean, you could see some things in Rasul's skill set that make you think like, yeah, he'd be a really good free safety. But I don't think that that's something – that the pack like the Packers should strive for better than that. Now, how do they do that? I don't know. This isn't an off season show, so we're not going to get too much into that, but it was nice to see that. I think the other thing that was really nice to see as we go through, you know, switching gears back to the offensive side of the ball was it's 24 to 12. The Packers are kind of letting the Rams hang around and They've had chances to put the game away and chances to put the game away and they get the ball back with eight minutes and 51 seconds left in the game. So what do they do? 15 plays, 82 yards, and they kneel the ball down at the three yard line. So I just think that that was a case of playing offense the way that this team probably needed to play all season long. Um, It was really good in terms of, you know, complimentary football, which is something the Packers have, have really been lacking throughout the course of this season. Uh, They had chances, like I said, to put the game away. They punted, they turned the ball over. There's been some uncharacteristic sloppiness with the Packers this season. They turned the ball over twice again tonight. They lost the turnover battle again tonight. That is still crazy to me that they've been as poor as they have been at at taking care of the football. Rodgers with his first year of double-digit interceptions since 2010, which, of course, was a very happy season. I don't don't know if this one's going to end – the same exact way, but who knows, you know, 12% is 12%. Like I said, it's not Lloyd Christmas. So you're telling me there's a chance kind of thing. Um, but I think that this offense might've found something The que- and the good news, if you want that, and if you want the Packers to win the rest of their games and at this point, I don't know why you wouldn't like tanking isn't, isn't on the table and you're not going to, they're just not going to do that. So you might as well root for them to win in my opinion. And when you run through everything like that, I, it just seems to me that 
they're able. Miami's defense is not very good. Minnesota's defense is not very good. Detroit is playing better, but their defense has not been, they've been better since they fired the coordinator and moved to a different guy. But throughout the larger sample, their defense is not very good. And in that situation, if it's Green Bay at home against Detroit in a win and maybe, which is probably the best bet right now, but a win and maybe kind of situation, Aaron Rodgers and, and a team that's on a roll against the Detroit Lions for and the Lions, maybe these aren't the Lions of old. You know, they won a game yesterday against the Jets that they've lost 600 times in the last three years. And I know the math doesn't add up on that, but it feels like it's been that many times. You got to feel good about your chances in that scenario if you have something like that. So the question I have for you now is we've talked about momentum from game to game. I don't necessarily think that's something that exists, but a lot of teams do. And Aaron Rodgers certainly does. He talks about it pretty much every single time he's at the podium after a game. What do you think? Is this team like, do they have a chance to kind of keep this thing moving? What's your, is your confidence level any higher? They can win these last three games than it was going into tonight. Well, it has to be after they win, but not to a greater degree than they won a game that they should have won at home against a team that they had no business losing to if they would have lost. So I think that the team and the locker room, the, the attitude and the culture, you know, winning is is a lot more fun. So I think the team is going to be more confident from that standpoint. But from week to week, it's a different animal, different opponent, different set of who you're going up against and what's happening. And I know that this team is aware of the challenges that are ahead of them. There's no, I don't think there's any question that on paper, at least the Dolphins are a better team and they're playing at home. It's on Christmas. There's all sorts of intangibles there. So I think that's a very small part of the equation, but obviously they have something to play. They still have something to play for with that 12%. So for whatever that counts, I would say yes. And again, goes back to the effort we saw in the field. They have been very average coming off of rests off of bye weeks and they got another victory. This is two in a row now that, that they've gotten under Matt LaFleur. So two, you know, four seasons, two and two, maybe they finally figured out coming out of the rest and being a little bit more prepared to play a football game. But now they'll, you know, maybe it'll benefit them. They're actually on a short week. they will be one, one short day, one day short uh, going into a Sunday game against Miami. So marginal, but I, you know, I think it's like LaFleur said, it's a series of one game seasons at this point. I'm sure that's how they'll approach it. Yeah, and it's not really marginal either because if you think about it, Miami played on Saturday. So Miami gets an extra day in addition to the day that Green Bay doesn't get. So from a rest advantage standpoint, Miami certainly has that. Green Bay, thankfully, the game didn't go into overtime or anything like that. So they don't have any extra you know, rest issues or anything like that throughout the course of tonight's game. But Miami does have a rest advantage and that's something that's been talked about. And I think it'll be talked about a lot this off season when we're trying to build a case for green Bay to be better in 2023 is that they, they didn't take their buy after the London game. Rogers broke his thumb and then the team pretty much snowballed from there. That's where the five game losing streak really started. That's when it started. So that was, you know, that was the turning point of the season is not getting, that bye week, they looked lifeless at home against a Jets team that's pretty darn average. Um, not much more than that. And honestly, below average when uh, Zach Wilson is their starting quarterback, which is who Green Bay played against in that particular game. Nonetheless, I, I do think that that rest is something that could that could come into play. The other issue is that if you look at tonight's game, I mean, yes, the Packers did have a very good night. And I mentioned the defense and everything like that. 
the issue that makers is essentially dust at this point. The Rams didn't even play him a couple of weeks ago. He averaged five and a half yards a crack. Well, you guys remember the name Raheem Mostert. He ran for 734 yards or something like that in the NFC Championship game just a couple of seasons ago in a very similar offense to the one Mike McDaniel employs in Miami. They have Tyreek Hill, who I don't know how, but I feel like he's never discussed in best receiver in football kind of conversations, and he should be. And I, I do I do say, even if he's not the best receiver, I think he's the most electric, terrifying, whatever word you want to use, weapon when it comes to a guy, because anytime he touches it, he can run sideways faster than your guys. And then he changes direction so quickly that he runs straight and he's the fastest guy in the field every time he plays. So for everybody that always says, well, Joe Barry and soft zone and blah, blah, blah. Like that's how green Bay is going to have to play next week. Because I know everybody's going to say that the chargers played that man coverage with, with Brandon Staley and everything like that. Well, the Packers have one guy that can do that. And it's Jair Alexander. The problem is Rasul Douglas is a zone corner. He's a zone corner against a lot of receivers. He's definitely a zone corner against a guy like Jalen Waddle, against a guy like Tyreek Hill. That is where my concerns come into play. The good news is I do think Green Bay can score on this Miami team. And that's something, you know, the Packers have scored 20 plus points in every game except for one since the the Cowboys game when I talked about Christian Watson's emergence. And that was against the Titans. It was on a it was on a Thursday night, kind of blustery-ish conditions. Rodgers didn't play particularly well. Um, so it was a weird night, and the Titans have a good defense. That's also part of it as well. So I'll be interested to see what they can do Christmas Day. But, Jason, just early thoughts here before we look ahead. How do you how do you feel about this Miami game? What's your take? Because this is, in my opinion, I, with all due respect to the Vikings record, I just I think that's fake. I, and maybe I'll be wrong, and maybe they'll win a Lombardi, and I'll just have to – have to live with that, but I just cannot get behind the idea that that team is the second best team in the NFC. Uh, I do think they're better than the Packers, but I, I I can't get behind that fact. So I think Miami's the toughest team they have left on their schedule. And Rodgers did talk about that tonight, how they've won two games that they're supposed to. They beat Chicago. They're better than Chicago and they beat the Rams. They're better than certainly this version of the Rams and both teams at full strength. The Packers might still be better than those Rams as well. Miami, I think, is the toughest team left on their schedule. So how are we feeling going into a Christmas Day game, national television? It's a noon kickoff. It'll be warm, so I guess that's a relative positive, I think. I don't I don't really know, you know, how the, how the weather plays in here um, when it comes to something like that. But how are we feeling? I don't really feel any different about that game. I mean, it's it means something now because they didn't lose to the Rams, unfortunately. That would have been very unfortunate if they – had lost to the Rams, but I don't really feel any different. It's going to be a, it's the toughest game left. I I'm with you uh, with regards to Minnesota. I mean, never take them too lightly, but that's also a home game for the Packers and the elements. It's very different than playing at us bank field. So going to Miami and, and again, the holiday thing and just some of those intangible, I, I, I don't know about the whole like Florida thing and, and it's nicer weather. I mean, I, th- I think, I think the Packers players will probably appreciate that. You know, if you have to play four straight games and those, really harsh elements that can really stack up on you. And as it is, they're going to have to finish the season with two of those games, but I don't really feel it any different there. I think they, I think it's going to be a very tough matchup. I'm very nervous about, like you said, the the speed that Miami has on offense and green Bay's inability to really stick with, stay with anybody. I saw some plays today. Rasul had a couple of 
uh, and maybe it was footing, but he just really just easily got the receivers easily got separation on him. The touchdown in the end zone. I hope that was a miscommunication and somebody on film breaks that down because that looked awful on the Higby touchdown that that make uh, Baker Mayfield was able to throw. This it's things like the margin for error against a team like Miami is going to be very slim. And yeah, Raheem Mostert. I mean, he's not the the same running back that he was a couple of years ago, but he has been good. You don't don't want to take him lightly. They just and Tua can run too. So now that's a whole other element there where it's like, you you know, you've got to have a, a spy and we talked about Quay Walker and being a rookie and he's still making some rookie mistakes that I, I think it's just that margin for error. I, I think the Packers are going to have to play above their head. If they're going to come out and win that game, they can do it. I don't know how optimistic I am, but at least the game matters at this point And we're not having a different conversation about what it means. Yeah, that would have been unfortunate just because I mean, the, the Christmas day slate, just stinks when it comes to and granted they they put that schedule together eight months ago and they thought you're like oh green bay miami that's pretty good denver and la that'll be good like you know all those games that are taking place next week you thought all three would be good it turns out not really um but it would stink if like we're just watching a meaningless football game where our guys are just playing out the string and they're playing for pride now they're playing for a chance to keep their playoff hopes alive. And that's not nothing. And I do think it does. It could say something about this team this year, even if they go to the playoffs and they get bombed in the first round by, by San Francisco. Like if that were something that were to happen, I still think there's something to be said about this team climbing out of a hole and figuring out that way to win. And we talked at the top of the show about culture and the ability to do that. I think that's something that would matter. Uh, and for something going forward, because then you could say like, Hey, we had all this stuff. Our best player on defense missed basically the entire season. We didn't figure out anything on offense until November. Like, and we still found a way granted participation trophy, wild card team with the seven seed and all that sort of stuff. I, I, I understand that I'm on board with that. I don't think there should be seven playoff teams, but there are, and those are the rules we play by. So I'm happy to use them to my advantage if I need to there is something to be said about clawing your way out of that and potentially getting into the playoffs. Now, am I probably going to pick Miami to win that game when somebody asked me for a game pick later in the week? Yeah, I probably am. Uh, Miami is the better team. Like you said, Green Bay has to play above what they have all season in order to win that game. And Miami probably has to play a notch below that. Now, is there a chance that Miami could have a bit of a letdown game after a really intense, hard fought, game against the Buffalo Bills, a division rival in a game that was really significant for them, a chance to grab that division lead, a series sweep, stuff like that. Sure. Um, I also think it's possible Miami's riding a three-game losing streak. They need to right the ship, and the Packers could be just the medicine for something like that. It's not a great matchup for Green Bay's defense against that offense, but like I mentioned, you can go if you can go score for score with them, Green Bay just limits some of these silly, stupid mistakes that they seem to make two, three, five times a game. If you could score with them, you know, maybe we have a redux of 2014 where Rogers has the ball and needs to score a touchdown with a minute or so left. And, and they have a chance to, to kind of win the game and, and keep their hopes alive going into a game against Minnesota and then Detroit. But I'm interested to see how it goes. I don't think it's impossible. If you'd asked me 24 hours ago, I would have told you not a chance in hell, but you know, winning certainly changes the outlook on something. So that's a lot of fun. That's going to do it for this edition. Appreciate you guys stepping in and uh, watching with us tomorrow. Uh, you'll be back to our regular scheduled programming. 
So we'll be able to do that. You don't have me for a while, which, you know, that's, that's probably a blessing for, for most of you, but I appreciate you guys dealing with me the last couple of days, talking some Packers and Rams. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot more fun to talk about a team when they win as opposed to when they lose. I can tell you I've been doing pack a day. Our first year was the 2018 season and 2018 and 2022 are a lot less fun than 2019, 2020 and 2021. I can, I can promise you that much on that front that this has been a more difficult season to talk about than a team that has a chance to win the Super Bowl, And that's kind of what we're accustomed to. And you can tell me spoiled Packers fan, blah, 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 all you want. But you know, it's like Sam Elliott said in the Super Bowl promo that they had for Super Bowl 45, they said expectations. Well, in a land like Titletown, chances are they're pretty high. So expectations are always high. We'll see if they can go. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how they do on Sunday, but you can follow me. I'm on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. Hit a comment, like, subscribe, all that good stuff here below us on the Packaday Podcast YouTube channel. You can follow him. He's at Jason Perrone. Find him every Monday on the Quick Slants Podcast over at Game on Wisconsin and every Thursday here, the triumphant return of Mark Eckel this week. So look, looking forward to that. Happy to hear that Mark is doing well. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. Packers get to 6-8, and eight, and they got a shot. Let's see what happens. It'll be fun, no less. Like, subscribe, everything like that. Thank you guys. See you again next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.